TCL is a Broward Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. A high fly left center field. It's going to go a long way to the wall and gone. A home run for CJ Crone. Into the bullpen, and it's four to nothing. The Yankees don't have a lot of potent bats. There's a drive to left, and the Twins will add a run in the ninth. Cruz with a long home run, his second of the series and seventh of the year. And it is time for the Score North Twin Show here on the new Score North, uh, Score North on 1500, the uh, scorenorth.com, Score North mobile app, Apple, Android. You can find us everywhere. It's Zolgad, Derek Wetmore. Manny Hill, and uh, I guess officially now this is the Score North first place twin show, but still can't beat the Yankees more than one game at Yankee Stadium twin show. So here we go. Manny, I wasn't 100% sure if we were going to get Judd on board with the Score North first place twin show. I'm very happy to see that we are, but he's added his own little uh, adjectives in there too. Should we add the, the hashtag to the it's happening hashtag to because they've lost two or three to the Yankees. It's hashtag it's still happening. It's still happening. They're still losing it's two happening. out of three in Yankee Stadium. How about this? It's happening when conditions are right for it to happen, but when they're not, it won't necessarily be happening, but don't lose faith. No, man, I'm fully with Manny on this one. I love that you brought that up right out of the gates. Guys, it's still happening. This is still a good baseball club. Cleveland is still reeling and dealing with injuries. And the Twins still have Nelson Cruz and C.J. Crone hitting bombs. This is It's a good, good, good start for the Twins. Oh, it's fantastic. Let's talk about one guy in particular, though. How long is the patience with Michael Pineda? Good this, question. This becomes... So so we can we can now really start to drill down and define who we think is pitching effectively and who is not. I think that there's enough of a, as you guys like to say, sample size now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very fair uh, when it comes to the starting rotation, right? Barrios, Perez, Odo's been absolutely fantastic Ooh. of late. Odo Rizzi's been great. Was again on Saturday. Gibby, you know, Gibby had the food poisoning or the the um, illness, E. coli, all of that. So that's probably going to take a bit more time. Michael Pineda's one, though, that I guess my question is, on a good baseball team, how long do you allow this to go before you grow concerned enough to change the dynamic there? Let, let me ask you. I'll, how about I'll, that for fair? That's that's perfectly fair. And I think before we dive into maybe coming up with an answer, certainly we can ask Thad Levine that very same question when he's scheduled to join the show at one thirty here. So we wait through the second segment. Uh, we can ask him their view on Pineda because they signed him to that sort of make good contract, that rehab. Here's two million bucks. Yep. Pitch for us next year for eight, and we'll call it good. And it's weird to me because I don't look at yesterday and say disaster. I don't look at it and say outright disaster. Yankees beat you, and then the rain took over. Just ball game. I look at it and I say, what is he doing? He's got the stuff. He's missing bats. Well, he piles up eight strikeouts, and he won't throw it over the plate. It was described absolutely perfectly by a guy who gave us three days of blessed analysis. He's so good. Kitty cat. Oh, Jim Cott, you are so good. You are so fantastic. But he described it. What did he, he say? He said, it's the legs. And when the sure. legs start to go, Pineda, Pineda took the year off. He is a huge man. 
I don't think he's in great shape. And when the legs start to go, he starts to go. And, and yeah. I believe it was um, in Panetta's last inning of work on Sunday when Cott said a, something along the lines of he's losing the game. Like he's losing a feel for it. He's complete. It's completely going. Well, and, yet he also lost the game. No, he did. <laughs> but, Cott, but, but Cott told us he yes. did. And that's it. And But this is why I circle back to if you are Falvey, Levine, and Rocco, do you allow this time to play out and hope he gets in better shape and can, and can uh, get through an order three times before sure. completely falling apart? Or do you have to somehow use an opener or do something else or take him out of the rotation yeah. because you can't you can't afford to essentially forfeit these games right. on a weekly basis when the rest of this team appears to be, as you said, good. Yeah, so Jim Cott actually said another thing that was pretty interesting about, of course, Pineda had the Tommy John. That was, what, July or midsummer yep. 2017. Yep. So. He kind of said he's like he's pitching his way back into form, and certainly Cott knows more about this than anybody sitting in this room or on the other side of the glass or listening to this show right now. There's just things that he knows about pitching in the big leagues that we can never know. But I almost view that as an excuse for a guy who refuses to throw it over the plate. I I don't mind. If you're only going to last 90 pitches, I'm fine with that. But when you've got that fastball-slider combo, please throw strikes. That has, to me, nothing to do with surgery. It's He's been on a big league mound now for long enough that he knows where the plate is. He knows the approach. Certainly, Odorizzi gave him a nice little blueprint the day before on how to get this injured Yankees lineup out. And Pineda just had all kinds of trouble with the walks. That, that was the biggest thing to me. I'm not offended with loud contact. It's going to happen. I'm not offended if you can't go eight innings. That's not what they signed you for. But I do get offended when you're nibbling with guys on first and second and one out and you won't throw it over the plate because why? Because you think you're going to give up a three-run homer? Well, Can you not find the plate at times? Walking somebody and then giving up a screaming double is pretty bad, too. You don't want that. So he seemed, it seemed to me like Pineda on Sunday had an issue with, with, he was very deliberately, in my mind, trying to work the outside corner to righties, and he was just missing. And he was missing. It was a nice pitch. And at times guys would offer, but a lot of times they didn't. But it seems to me that there's a philosophy that he's trying to employ there, and and it's probably to what you're saying, Derek, is getting too cute. Yeah. But it's why I go down the path of how long can you do this for? Right. The, f- the philosophy is stay away from loud contact, which is great, but if you can't paint like Maddox, you're just pitching scared. That doesn't work. Jake Odorizzi doesn't have top, top shelf stuff. And he was going after those hitters all day on Saturday. 94 in the strike zone, 92 at the knees. It's not like he was this pitching master class. He was throwing strikes and missing bats. It was perfect. And then Pineda follows it up with a a disappointing outing. How long do I let it continue? Has all to do with who's behind him. What's behind door number two? Because right now... That becomes an issue. It's not a great... I don't view this as a great situation for the Twins. We can talk about all this for sure, but I think Pineda gets at least as long. Keep in mind, we're only five weeks into the season. He gets at least as long as until the point you decide that, hey, somebody else might be better suited for this. Right now, he's probably the guy that's best suited for this job, in my opinion. Odo has been unbelievable. These last two times oh, out, fantastic. he has been, and and this is, so, so, we could talk all we want, and rightfully so, about 
Ryan Presley was traded, got away, and went somewhere and became lights out in Houston. And that's a valid point. But the improvement in Taylor Rodgers and Odo, to me, has been, if if you're trying to look at the Twins and say, credit to you, yeah, because a year ago, this guy at times, and when they made the trade with Tampa, we thought it was going to be fantastic, right? And he was a disappointment. There's no other way to sum up how Jake pitched in 2018. I'd say that's fair. Other than a disappointment. Yep. And at least these last two starts, he has come back and and has delivered exactly what you thought at his best that you would get in 2018. That's right. And you traded for a mid rotation starter last year. You didn't quite get that. This year, I feel like you're getting more than that. This year, if if Jake Odoriz is your fourth best starting pitcher, you've got a good staff. Is is the way I look at it right now for this Twins team. Now, Michael Pineda is your fifth best starter, and you'd like to improve on that if you can. But what team in the big leagues doesn't want to improve their fifth starter? So the other one that I'll throw into this mix, even though he wasn't here last year, is Martin Perez. It's been so impressive to me yeah. that I came in this winter and said, "Okay, I mean Odoriz is probably a mid to." Back end starter Perez is like a back plus. I mean, he's he's like your fifth starter if this goes well. And the Twins are like, nope, that's okay. Jake Odorizzi is better than a mid rotation starter. So is Martin Perez. We're rolling with these guys. You can talk about Dallas Keuchel all you want. You can talk about Craig Kimbrell all you want. We're gonna get it out of these guys. And I don't know, man. Judd, you were around this winter when I was talking about like, is this the right approach or are they getting too cocky about this? And so far, at least, through May 6th of the 2019 season, yep. I can say on the first place Score North Twins show, holy cow, the Twins know what they're doing when it comes to pitching. I think Martin Perez, Martin Perez, to me, uh, goes back a year plus, and it's very simple. Anibal Sanchez, yeah. who, we, who they signed, and yeah. we all laughed and said, mm-hmm. What the hell are they doing? Typical. <laughs> Why? Cheap. Twins, you think you're going to go to the scrap heap and find a starter? We kept calling it the two dollar DVD bin, <laughs> and it felt and it felt like that. But what happened? Yeah, they no. signed Lance Lynn, to which they we all Oscar. said one year, twelve million for Lance Lynn. This is this the is greatest. And then they they I think at that time DFA'd Sanchez. He goes to the Braves, and he is yeah. if not fantastic, very good. It's good. I think he made like twenty starts, but he had a good year. And Lance Lynn, uh. By the way, Lance Lynn has a five and a half ERA in Texas, in case you were wondering. I saw Lance Lynn pitching in his first appearance this year, so a month back now. Mm-hmm. He is, and I'm not joking, you guys, he is bigger than last year. Wow. Like, he looks... I haven't watched any of his starts this year. He is enormous. I had my fill. Well, he's had his fill, too. And, <laughs> and he's not stopping. And imagine him pitching down there in that launch pad. <laughs> I know. The ballpark, too. I know. Wait, wait, wait till July. If he's still in their rotation in July, oh my. Well, God. and he might be skinny by then because he'll sweat so much. <laughs> I mean, better, that's a hey, hell of a. They'd better hope he's in the rotation. They gave him a three year deal. Uh, they better hope. Hey, you know what? If you watched him last year and you were dumb enough to give this guy a three year contract, that's on you. What were they thinking? But don't you guys think this goes back? The twins, Falvey and Levine, were right on Sanchez. They were yes, flat they were. out right. Yeah. He would have given, if he had done for the Twins what he did for the Braves in a different league, obviously, he would have given them exactly what they were trying to get. And I think that they looked at Perez and said, all right, we're going to change you a little bit. There's going to be some tweaks here. But if you come in and pitch and and we work with you, 
you are essentially going to slot into that role, and we don't need to try to get cute there. Yep, and to their credit, credit for that. they got that much cheaper than what you would have expected to sign Dallas Keuchel for, and they got a team option for Perez for next year, which is looking sweet at the moment. That's that's kind of just one of those master strokes that we didn't know at the time. Of course, we made fun of them for it. and I don't think that we made as much fun this time around. I think we questioned it, but the Sanchez one, we, I, yeah. we mocked. Uh, I, I got, af- mocked I got after him a little bit. I, I like with the Anibal Sanchez in the back of my mind, thinking like, "Well, they know things I don't, but yeah. still, what what are you doing? Why'd you go get a guy with a six ERA?" I dug in a little bit on the uh, Score North Twin Show. It wasn't called that at the time, but I dug in a little bit, and uh, yeah, I was wrong. Obviously, the thing that's interesting about Perez, of course, adding the cutter has helped both righties and lefties. You can get in on lefties' hands, righties. You have a pitch that runs away from. Uh, flip those, obviously. Lefties, it's running away, sure. and then righties, you've got one that can get in on their hands. But it's really fascinating to me that all of that stuff is just better when you have 96. It's like we can talk all day about pitch design and like, oh, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer is so impressive. I'm really impressed with Trevor Bauer for doing this. But like we've gone too far saying he taught himself this Corey Kluber breaking ball. And that's amazing. And part of the marvel of modern day baseball. However, if you have a Corey Kluber slider and a 90-mile-an-hour fastball that you can't locate, yep. you're pitching for the Saints down St. Paul in yeah, a beautiful ballpark in Lower Town, St. Paul. But when you have hey, that and pair it with 97, there, I love that ballpark. I think there's eight bucks for craft beer. <laughs> don't get me wrong. That corner down in left field yeah, when you're so sitting on the grass yeah, berm and you're 30 steps away from a craft beer, it's great. The baseball's not good, but who cares? My point is that if you pair a Corey Kluber slider with a 97-mile-an-hour heater that you can spot and miss bats, yes. you are an all-star, borderline Cy Young candidate. So that, to me, is the most amazing part that... I think they are getting appropriate credit for it. Don't get me wrong. I, I think there are people that are saying, whoa, look what the Twins have done with Martin Perez. But you watch this summer unfold, boys. I'm going to make this prediction right here. Martin Perez continues to pitch well and continues to throw that 96-97. And he, this was a guy who was a huge-time prospect coming up when he was 20, 21, 22. Big, big name in the pitching prospect circles. Mm-hmm. Never quite delivered on it in Texas. But if this Twins team is in first place in July and they start to get the national buzz that they're going to garner for this, when people start talking about them in New York and on the other coast, they're they're the talk of baseball or one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things people are going to be saying is, oh my gosh, look what they've done to resurrect Martin Perez's career. Perez deserves all kinds of credit. The Twins, their staff, their whole pitching plan Wes deserves. Maybe too. Wes Johnson is a big part of that plan that is going to start getting the national recognition that it deserves. We're just a little bit too early for that. I don't think they've started, caught the league by storm just yet, but it'll happen. That'll come later this summer. Uh, quick side note, gentlemen. Um, Derek, you would probably know this more so than me or Judd. Did uh, Animal Sanchez, did he get paid this past winter? Yes. National. Washington, yep. He's it's, pitching. Uh, and he's not good right now. It is not going well for him right now. Is that now. right? <laughs> he is, uh, forget about the record, but I mean, just for yeah. the sake of the point, the record, he's 0-5, not that it really matters at this point. Well, that team. What's the ERA? 5.15, um, which is obviously not good. What's really, really disturbing about this is uh, in 36 and two-thirds innings, he has walked 22 Ouch. Hitters. 
But this is why you get these guys on the scrap heap yes. and you sign them for cheap and then they're good and you say, that was fantastic. Manny did later. Washington. Thank you for your contribution. Exactly. Yeah. Goodbye. Did, did Washington give him a two-year deal? I don't remember. Well, I, I can look it up. I think I it is a multi-year deal. I know it was one of those deals where it was like, oh, look, he's fixed now. Perez pounce thing, on him. The Perez thing, I'm not Perez ad- is perfect. advocating signing th- these guys to long-term deals. I'm right. advocating the one-year, show me something, oh, you did and now you got paid by somebody else. And, well, with, and, and in the case of Sanchez, it might be something that the Twins... And let's be honest, let's give the Braves some credit too. Yeah. That they saw that they were able to tap out of Anibal Sanchez. That Washington whatever the hell's camp. going on in Washington is just <laughs> ugly. They've got problems there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I look at the Perez deal, for example, they've got a club option. So mm-hmm. sometimes we criticize Derek Volvi on this show. One thing you cannot criticize him for at all, and Derek Volvi is a genius as far as I'm concerned. Giving yourself the flexibility to get out of a deal if it's bad and to get back in and re-up if it's good. Yes. I mean, the the Max Kepler deal looks golden at this point. Jorge Polanco, same deal. Oh, my gosh. You mean you get to have that guy as your shortstop second baseman for the next five years? Mm-hmm. We're talking about one of the best hitters in the American League right now. That looks like a master stroke. And then Perez if 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 you come in here and make this bet that we can change him, we can make this work, this starting rotation is going to be awesome. And he flames out, okay, move on to the next one. Right. You got Cole Stewart or Steven Consolvis or whatever your next line of attack is. But if it's good, you can double down on that bet and get him for another year for a really affordable contract. Yes, please. Derek Falvey, the economist, has created several masterstrokes like that in his short time with the Twins. I think it's one of the, the key components to their success right now. Annabelle Sanchez, by the way, gentlemen, uh, two years, $19 million with yeah. the Washington Nationals, plus a 2021 club option for $12 million. Well, at so least it's a club option. He's, he's making $8 million this year. He'll make $9 million in 2000. And he'll get a nice little buyout right after that. They've yep. got Sanchez. They, they've got Brian Dozier. Yeah. No wonder they're off to such a great start. Uh, it's a tough you, division. Did you guys, what were your thoughts? Because this is the one thing, and eventually the game was uh, suspended and then and then called on Sunday. Yeah. What were your thoughts in watching, and this is now the last game in Yankee Stadium for the Twins this year, and so they're desperate to get that game in. Yeah. But do you guys find it as ridiculous as I did to see them continuing to play in a driving rainstorm when you consider guys were slipping? There were pro- That field was, that was not tough. safe. I understand what they're doing, but in this era and these guys being paid as much as they are and being expensive, valuable commodities, I don't get that one. Yeah. Watching, it's one thing if it's drizzling, but when you can see it coming down sideways on your TV yeah. and they continue to play, Gosh. if I'm if I'm any club, I'm saying, it, this isn't worth it. Well, was it Buxton that got a, a ball that slipped and it came right over his head when he's standing in the batter's box? Uh, I, it was I, one, yes. I think it, it was might Buxton. Have been Buxton but, but I saw what you're talking you about and that, and that bothered me. And you're like, huh? So... Okay, this is seems like an obscure reference, but I'll circle back to your sure. question. You remember Chris Sale when he was with the White Sox and they had like a throwback jersey night and he cut up the uniforms? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, people yeah. were like, well, that's petulant or that's childish. But his point was, do you care more about winning games or marketing shirts? And the White Sox said shirts. Yep. And he said, screw you, I'm out of here. I mean, basically. Yep. I'm paraphrasing. I wasn't there. But I'm, I'm guessing no, that's, that's how it went down. I get your point. I felt that same way watching guys get spit on. And Marwin Gonzalez, I think it was Marwin Gonzalez having to face a Roldis Chapman there in the eighth inning as they were finishing up and he was coming in for a four-out save. Mm-hmm. And he's like brushing rain beads off of the bill of his helmet. 
when he's about to face a 101-mile-an-hour fastball from one of the best lefties in the game? I was thinking, okay, do you care more about the the scheduling, marketing, and making sure this game is played? Or do you care about the product and the safety of the players that are there? I I don't know that that's the conscious decision we're making because, remember, this is an umpire's call. Right, but- and the Yankees have some input to say, just so you know, this is going to get hairy making this game up if we have to. Let's please try to get this in. But it's in the eighth at that point in time, and it was coming down sideways. And if I'm both clubs, I say, you know what? You got to call it. Yeah, I mean, like if I'm the Twins, I want that to keep going because I, I want too, a chance to win the game. But what if Kepler gets hurt? What exactly. if Buxton gets hit? Right. Like, there's no way, and, and I get that fields drain really well now compared to a long time ago. I get all that. Sure, but the baseball's wet. The baseball's wet, and when the rain is coming down sideways, it just takes one guy to slip. Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah, it's tough to see, because I was, like you, I was watching on my TV. I wasn't in New York, and so it's hard for me to... But you see the tweets from the people who are covering the game. You see the photos from the press box. You see the FSN broadcast of the game that you're alluding to that, yeah, you can tell this is probably not fit for baseball. This is not optimal playing conditions. You do start to wonder, like, just when does player safety creep into this? It and was it, it was good it to see they finally, they finally did get in there and they were like, nah, this isn't getting yeah. any better. Let's get out of here. Then what's the deal? They have to, like, wait. Is it true that they have to wait um, for an amount of time before T- they can actually... TV said, uh, Dick said an hour, and then I think someone tweeted Lavelle, and he said they have to wait a half hour. Yeah, I saw Lavelle's but, tweet. But that, that said, radar wasn't... There was no yeah. break there. Yeah. there. There was no... That was going to continue to rain late into last night. And that's fine. I get the problems. But what I don't get is, if it's drizzling, okay, keep playing. But when a ball... when the baseball is slipping. You got problems. And if I'm the Twins, yeah, I want to creep back in and win this ball game. But a, I think we got. A and bo- are you really good- going to do it in that way? Yeah, I'm like a. I think we got a good ball club here. We don't. I mean, we should try to squeeze every win out of the roster. But this looks like a 90 win team to me. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it. And what if Buxton gets hurt? B, yeah, Araldus no. Chapman. That that's not yeah. just some guy out there. Yes, that's Araldus Chapman standing on the mound in a driving rain. I'd be a little terrified. A wet baseball. Coming at you with, no with a guy who might not might say I can't control this. I I'm just sorry. I just flinched as you um, described the moment. <laughs> last thing, the past week, I want to give a bravo here to Byron Buxton. Somebody got to him. He's no longer crashing into fences yeah. unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah. He is now, for lack of a better term, he is now making running catches. And he's putting his hand out. He's feeling the wall. And yeah. he's feeling the wall. Yes. But yes. Thank, but this is what I wanted. It's like, great. It was not that tough. He's a longtime listener, I'm guessing, of the Score North First Place Twin Show. And, and we told so him early in the year, we said... Score North First Place Twin Show, except go. when they play in Yankee Stadium, at which point they lose to a fan. <laughs> Hashtag just stay available, Byron. Just stay <laughs> yes. available. That's the kind of value he stay has. I, I talked about it when he crashed into the wall early in the season, and I said, you wouldn't want Mike Trout running into the wall. Byron Buxton is not Mike Trout. I'm not making the comparison. But if Mike Trout misses six weeks with some kind of injury from running into a fence, he will say, great, I would have rather they hit a double. But you know what he's shown I you? feel the same way about Byron Buxton right now. Byron Buxton has shown us in the last week that you don't need to attack the fence. Because my argument has been you're not a cornerback. This is not a receiver. Right. The fence doesn't move. Right. And people were like, but he makes these catches. And I said, yeah, he can still make them. Somebody got to him and said, feel for the wall. I like he's, that he's doing this. He's bracing himself now. It makes me happy to see that you're not worried about covering a, a you know a six-week absence because yes. he runs in and strains Which made his no shoulder. Sense. Which made zero sense. And it's great. And, and he's playing well, too. We should obviously say that. 
Not to, we're going to take a break on the Score North first place twin show. Is that correct? Score North first, first place, place twin, twin show, show except, except when they play in New York. Except when they play the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. But it's great. In which case they lose two of three. When we come back, uh, bottom of the hour, so we're going to be joined by Twins GM Thad Levine at Zolgad, Wetmore, and Manny Hill on the all-new Score North. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. This Saturday night, Minnesota United travels to Chicago to take on the fire right here on Score North, the Score North mobile app, and at live.scorenorth.com. Join Jonathan Harrison and Dan Terhar for the pregame at 6.30, and they'll kick things off at 7. That's hit to right field, hit pretty well. Going back is Maben at the wall. That ball is gone, a two-run home run for Mitch Garver. All right, score north, twin show. First place if you're Rami or Derek. There you go. <laughs> if you're me, uh, first place, but you have problems against the Yankees. Maybe we can just shorten it to the score north, twin show. I, that's what I want. Okay, let's can stick we with please? that. Yes. Can we please? That'll play. All right, let's go to the phone line joining us now, spending some time, and we appreciate it. Uh, Twins GM Thad Levine joins from uh, Toronto. Uh, start you off with this one, sir. How did you weigh, or how do you weigh, watching uh, the eighth inning of yesterday's game with your team still having a chance to potentially come back and win, but it starts to have a driving rain? And I would imagine that you're weighing, in that sense, too, a definite concern about player safety. Is that accurate? It is. You know, and we went into the game yesterday knowing that we were going to have a pretty tight window to get in, ideally somewhere between five and eight innings. I don't think, uh, based upon Mother Nature's inclusion in the game, that we were really overly optimistic we were going to get nine in. I think they actually did a pretty good job of just even being able to get an official game in. But once you get to that point, uh, and you're watching the game, and you're seeing water pooling on the field, and you just see the difficulty that the pitchers are having in throwing strikes, I think you realize that, that it's just, you have to prioritize player safety at that point. Love to walk out of there with a win. But at the end of the day, I, I, you know, we totally support the decision that was made to, to, to cancel the game at that point. It just felt as if the field was officially unplayable, and certainly Romero was reflective of how difficult it was for him to throw strikes at that point. Yeah. Thad, it's Derek here. You guys are in first place and might be close to getting Miguel Sano back. What can you tell us about the updates that you're receiving on his uh, Billy Madison-style tour through the minor leagues here? So a good, great, great analogy there. So, you know, on a few fronts, I just would like to talk about that. One is clear. His performance in the minor leagues has been has been solid. You know, he ended the home run again yesterday, and he's been swinging the bat well. I think additionally from Miguel, as fans have learned about him over his career here, that that's only part of the equation. The other part of the equation is is how is he doing in terms of his, his maintenance off the field. And he's done a really nice job. He's been really committed to the program that we put in place last offseason, unfortunately, sustained the injury coming into the year, so we didn't get to he didn't get to have the full benefit of that. But he's, he's getting back in great shape, and he's also been a nice mentor to some of our younger players down mm-hmm. there. So I think on all those fronts, Miguel has shown a lot of maturity, uh, and certainly from our fan standpoint, uh, some decent power along the way as well. Yeah, and... I know people don't like to put timetables on this stuff, but fans see, you know, he climbs up to double A and he hits a home run the other day that made its rounds on Twitter. Do you guys have a date in mind that if it goes well for him, you'd like to see him back in the big league lineup? 
So our, our plan with him, and the answer is generally speaking, yes, I can't tell you it's a specific date, but it's a it's kind of certain metrics that we're looking for him to, to pass. But our, our thought here is he's just spent so much time away from the field uh, that we're not going to shortchange him here. We're not going to artificially rush him. We're very comfortable with the unit we have at the major league level. So when he is fully ready to go and we're putting him in a position where he can play the majority of the games in a given week, then I think we'll bring him back up. And even then, we're going to probably ease him back in just due to some of the weapons we have in guys like Marwin Gonzalez and Jonathan Scope and Polanco and Adrian. So we're going to be able to spell him so he doesn't have to play every single day. Sure. But when we bring him back up, you know, our goal is this is a one-way ticket and he doesn't have any setbacks along the way. So we're going to be a little cautious on the front end to hopefully reap all the benefits down the road. Hey, that it. Does he come back and play third base on a consistent basis, or are we talking about a potential situation here where Miguel plays some third, some first, and DHs as well, do you think? So I, I would answer both of your questions by saying yes. I think he will primarily play first the third base, but I do think we are going to rotate him through first and through DH. And then, as I just mentioned, probably you're going to see him have a few off days at the outset of his, of his reintroduction into the big leagues as well. I, I think we do feel as if... We've got somewhere between 10 and 12 really real solid major league offensive players that we can rotate through spots. And I think what Rocco's demonstrated already is a willingness to, to keep everybody fresh by giving guys days off with some consistency. I think Miguel will be no different, and I think his defensive versatility will play very nicely into that. I think I've seen a positive step in the past week, and want to run this by you. Did somebody get to Byron Buxton and say, Byron, we love you, and you're unbelievable, and you make great catches. But we do not need you trying to initiate contact with fences. It seems to me like the last week he's made about three or four really um, patented Buxton catches, but instead of crashing into to the wall like a defensive back in football, he feels for it and slow, slows himself down. And if somebody did, congratulations, because this is a good step, I think. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's remarkable watching him play. I mean, I think the fans love those catches. I think the other teams uh, jaws drop at those catches, and everybody in the front office uh, cringes when he does that. You know, it's, it's just amazing <laughs> his ability to make those catches and then propel himself into the wall. You know, we look at him and say the, the whole purpose of the warning track is to give an average human being the ability to break down from sprint speed <laughs> to, to slowing down before they crash into an immovable object. He's not a normal human being. I think we yeah. need to have a little bit of a wider uh, track <laughs> form out there because the one that's currently being in use is certainly not slowing him down in a quick enough fashion. But, hey, listen, he's, he's spectacular to watch out there. I, I wish guys would challenge him coming in or going left and right more than going back. <laughs> sure. Yeah, maybe a Byron Buxton warning track at Target Fields coming next summer. That'd be fun. 20 yards wide. <laughs> You're not kidding. No. Uh, Twins GM Thad Levine is our guest on the Score North First Place Twins show, as we're calling it this week. Uh, Thad, this has been really fun from an outsider's perspective to watch the pitching evolve in the Twins organization. Wes Johnson hired from the outside, coming from the college ranks. I know, of course, he's got help in developing these pitchers. But what can you say from your perspective about how the development has gone here this season in 2019 from guys like Jake Odorizzi, Martin Perez, and on and on down that list? I, I, I you know, You're absolutely right. Uh, Wes Johnson deserves a ton of credit, but he's got a team of people working with him, and we paired him up very purposely with Jeremy Hefner, who has run our advance the last couple of years. I think the two guys really bring such a tremendous attitude to the process, and that is 
they are tirelessly working to develop individual programs for each of our pitchers. So there's no sense of, I think, what, what our fans had learned to, to call the twins way in the past, which was most of the pitchers were encouraged to pitch the same way. Our guys are not doing that. They're, they're sitting down with each individual pitcher. Uh, they're sitting down with our analytics folks and determining what's, what's the optimal pitch mix. Or, or should we introduce a new pitch or de-emphasize another one? Should we emphasize a location or de-emphasize a, a different location? And they've really gotten buy-in from the pitchers because they've seen results. Yeah. And when they don't get an immediate trans- traction, I think Wes and Hef have done just such a great job of continuing to try to come up with different ways of explaining what they're trying to achieve and working individually with these guys. So I think the pitchers really have learned to respect those two coaches because they clearly have their best interest in mind, and then it doesn't hurt the fact that we've now seen some great performances on the field uh, to back it up. And uh, you know, obviously the players deserve all the credit for that. I think Jeremy Hefner and, and Wes Johnson have put the pitchers in position to succeed. I think the pitchers have gone out and succeeded what was you know regarded as a plus offensive club coming into the season, I think has proven to be a lot more balanced than maybe fans would have expected. Yeah. No, it's been fascinating from the outside to watch that kind of go down. Speaking of the outside, too, uh, we in the media and certainly fans of this club follow other clubs around the big leagues and see what has happened to Cleveland here in the first five weeks of the season. Um, not not specifically from a performance standpoint, but losing guys like Clevenger, Corey Kluber, um, some big blows for that club. From a front office perspective, Thad, do you guys do you guys pay attention to that? Does it change how you operate on a daily basis? Yeah, I think I think we have to pay attention. To you know, we're we're constantly evaluating our team relative to its chief competitors, and and certainly the Cleveland Indians are the class of the American League Central until we or another team unseats them. So we're very attentive to what what's going on with them. Now, you know, on our side of the ledger, Miguel Sano, who was supposed to hit in the middle of our order, has not had a plate appearance yet either. So we haven't been without our own adversity. But I do think it changes the landscape somewhat. Uh, we, we still regard that team as being excellent and one that we're trying to chase down. Uh, but right now, I think we're, we're relishing the position we're in, but we know there's a lot of season left to be played. But we'll continue to monitor the progress of that team, as well as the other foremost teams in the American League, uh, throughout all injuries and peak performances as, as the season ebbs and flows. That, how do you feel about your starters in the bullpen right now? And speaking of looking towards... The outside have to ask when uh, Keuchel and Kimbrel stay on the market. Are you still considering them? Is there, you know, as you see this team be more successful with a potential, I would guess, to win the division? What's the thought process there with two guys still out there? I think we've always had ownership support to pursue opportunities to improve the team. I will say this: I think we're really focused on the 25 men we have here, and the handful of guys who are matriculating through the minor leagues and some guys that are getting healthy. The team's performed so well, and so we want to keep our attention and our focus there. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't have scouts continue to look at all the options out there and some of our analytics folks. It's early in the season yet, um, but, you know, as, as, as people always say, these games matter as much now as they will later in the season. So right. we're constantly looking at ways to, to optimize this team. Right now, I think our focus is primarily internally, though. And so, also, from a baseball standpoint, too, Thad, 
how uh, how concerning potentially does it get as guys uh, stay unsigned there? And I would guess, especially with a starting pitcher, there comes a point in time too where where just the thought process of if we pursue said player and said player joins us as a veteran starter in let's say June first, it's going to take until uh, July. And I, I go back to what you guys also saw with uh, Lynn a year ago, which was signing a guy in March, and he really didn't find his stuff probably until June or so. Uh, it's an excellent point, and, and I wish I could tell you there's a formula there that we feel we could follow and say it takes X number of days before a player returns to his peak performance level. Uh, we just don't know that right now. So I think your point's really well-founded in the terms of the longer it goes into the season, I think the more unknown it is as to how long it will take for some players to get up and running. And, you know, you mentioned Lance Lynn uh, finishes the season, season having an excellent year with the New York Yankees, parlays that into a three-year deal with the Texas Rangers. Believe it or not, his end-of-season performance is almost exactly what our guys had projected. Hmm. It just had such a lion's share of it came in the second half of the year, which was when he wasn't wearing a Minnesota Twins jersey anymore. So it does take a while for these guys to get going. I guess there is a reason we have spring training, and as long as it is, to get these guys ramped up, and that's part of their routine that they're used to. When you take them out of their routine, I think there's a lot of unknowns as to how they're going to react. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time. Take care. Thad, thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, bye-bye. Bad Levine, Twins GM, that is the one thing. I, I also think, Derek, it's time in our conversation yeah. about uh, Keuchel and Kimbrell to sever them apart. Yes. Kimbrell, yes. Kimbrell intrigues me. Yes. I don't want Keuchel now. I, I just think it's too late. I don't think, I don't, if you sign him, there's going to be an expectation to get him back here or to get him here as quickly as possible. He's not a young man. Um, I love that you made this point. I just think, I think the Kimbrell conversation... And getting him up here is realistic. Yes. I don't think Keuchel is now. So whether or not the Twins actively pursue Kimbrel is, is is another topic. Right. But would it be logical right now to consider it? Yeah. Yeah. If you think that he's going to earn the contract and make a meaningful difference in your 2019 team, Kimbrel makes sense. I'm kind of out on Keuchel for the Twins right now. Uh, I guess ever since the season started, I didn't view it as a very realistic option because what? You'd be, you'd be paying him call it 15, 20 million bucks a year for however many years that is to be like a, like a mid rotation starter for you. Here's the thing. I I joked last week about trading for Trevor Bauer. I'm not joking. That's the kind of pitcher you should be trading for. If you're the twins, now whether the Indians sell just yet, whatever, that's another conversation, but pair somebody with Jose Barrios at the top of that rotation yep. who might be better than Barrios. I don't view Keuchel as a, as a big step forward in that regard for him right now. Kimbrel's a Kimbrel's a different conversation. Let's see, might be better, might have more experience, might be a guy who you could plug in here. Let's come back and discuss that cuz I think there's a clear-cut guy. It's the Score North first place twin mm. show except when you're in Yankee Stadium when it becomes more difficult, but now they're in Toronto, so it's back to being the first place show. Your North flag fly. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. And the pitch swung on and driven right field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Talkman. The Sockman. He hits a two-run home run in the lower deck in right. And the Yankees take a 4-1 lead. Oh, John Sterling. Yeah. It is the Score North Twins show. Zolgad, Wetmore, Manny Hill uh, on until 2 o'clock when it'll be Score North Live with Matthew Collar. All right, so here's my thought on pitching help. 
because I think that we are in lockstep here. Dallas Keuchel's not going to be the guy, nor should he be, because that, that attempt, Derek, could be could cause you problems. All right. The name that we brought up last week, Madison Bumgarner, who's being thrown out now by, I want to say, and because it, it was not just us, I believe this emanated on MLB Network. Okay. I believe that Buster only has talked about this. I've seen some national stuff, yeah. Uh, and you're going to think I'm absolutely crazy, but the guy that I would love to see get hot and consider trading for pitching, and, and Mad Bomb might not be the right guy, okay, would be Sano. You you are crazy for that. I honestly, I don't trust him. I, I'll never trust him. I think it's, I do think he can hit for power at times and go through stretches, but he's gotten to the point now where he's no longer young. It seems like he's always hurt. He would be the guy that I would at least dangle for pitching. Are you and I going to the All-Star Game 2020 when he's representing the American League? Is this the starting third uh, He'll be on the DL. <laughs> he'll be DL'd by then. Or or 315. <laughs> that's an awfully negative playing, take. He'll be playing nose tackle for somebody <laughs> by then. It's an awfully negative take for the Score North first place Twins he's show, got a multi, He's multi-talented. He can play third, he Here. can play first, he can DH, and he can play nose tackle. I'm not going to run away from the Mad Bum thing. We can sure talk about okay, that. Okay, so but tell the me thing, about that. The thing about Sano is you don't trade three years of control for a rent-a-pitcher. I mean... I don't care if you don't trust him. You're selling a stock as it bottomed out. You might as well hang on to it to see if there's a rebound. And look, if you want to trade him next summer because you still don't trust him, that's a little bit more appealing option to me because now you got a year of track record to figure out who he is. But what if he's just shot by then? That That's my concern. And then, no worries. Well, he you just lost strikes out, on, out all the time. You and... lost out on what? A rent pitcher for 2019? But so, I might need that. This is my. This might be. This yeah, is why it's the Score North first place right, twin show. We're right. talking about a team, a first place team that's got a real chance because, as you brought up to Thad, yeah, the Cleveland Indians look like it's going to be a potentially tough season. They got I, all key guys hurt. I wanted to dive into his response there on this too. So let's wrap this all into one conversation. Okay, so help like me they're, with they're they're monitoring the Indians because of course they are. That's that's how you make your decisions. If Cleveland sold off every piece of real estate that it owned over the winter, and now they were rolling out a minor league team, maybe you don't have to sign a Marwin Gonzalez to win the division. Maybe you don't have to, you know, go get a go get a Blake Parker, or maybe you set your sights a little bit lower in the second base market or something. I don't know. You you always make decisions based on what your direct competitors are doing. Yes, You you want to make the best team possible, but you also know. You just got to finish ahead of the Indians, and now you're in October. Yep. So to me, I view this team, they gave themselves a shot to be in it, to be in contention, in the conversation, within spitting distance of the Indians. And they were going to see how the first two and a half months of the season went. And now, now we're not fully two and a half months in, but you can kind of see where this is headed, and it looks good. If you're the Twins, you gave yourself a shot, you're going to be in it, you're going to be either in first place or right there in the American League Central, and then I think you look this July, and you really ramp things up, because, and that starts with pitching. Yes, because you very well need, You're there. need pitching help, so when you get there, you can right. be truly competitive. Right. So, now, so now we are not discussing uh, the potential of winning the American League Central. Now our discussion has evolved to you have a very good chance to win it. What's your pitching going to look like, both starting and and from the bullpen when you get there. That's right, exactly. So I think you build this around a short series now. And that sounds crazy, but let's just play right. this thing out. So help me out. What you want in October is two great starters who can go get 
the game won. This is not, I don't know if this is a patented theory that's out there. This is what I've felt for a number of years now. One ace is great, two is better. If you can get yourself two aces and a chance that you could win a one nothing ball game in October, you feel really good about it. Mm-hmm. Then you need to shore up a bullpen that could go toe-to-toe with the best of them using only the four trusted relievers that you have. So I don't care what the Adalberto Mejias of the world are doing on your team because in October, you cross your fingers that that guy's not pitching in a game with the game on the line. You want Blake Parker. In this example for the Twins, you want Blake Parker, Trevor Hildenberger, Trevor May, certainly Taylor Rogers in as many high leverage innings as you can possibly have. So what's one obvious thing that this team is missing is that second ace. Martin Perez has been great. Would you have him start game one of the no. ALDS? No. Jake Odorizzi, same deal. I think I need a second guy. So Barrios, tr- I'll, I'll call him my if one. If he's game one, I that's fine. I think I need a second guy. If he's game one, that's fine. And I'm looking in the, the category of the, that top-tier guy. Who's somebody who could potentially supplant Barrios? Madison Baumgartner, 29 Lefty obviously has the postseason experience. You trust that factor of it. And the Giants are bad. I'm almost tempted to pull the trigger on something like that just for the cool factor. Like the, I don't get rattled. This doesn't matter to me. I've pitched in the World Series. Yes. What are you going to do? The postgame experience here would be important. And he can hit for you too. Yes, right. He can come up and, yes, exactly right. Well, you feel pretty good about the DH you got. But, you know, if something happens and maybe you are looking for a bat and Cruz. I don't know. That's going to be an interesting one. Maybe that's what we talk about next week on the Score North First Place Twin Show. Nelson Cruz uh, in National League Parks in October. That'll be interesting. Madison Bumgarner to me is a <laughs> guy. Not play. Tw- 29. Might not play. Man, 29 going on 30. And 30, as we've seen in the Major League Free Agent playout, is the end of your career. But he's, but he, this <laughs> is the last year of his contract. That's right. He's in a walk. So, no, here. we're talking about, we're talking about You'd rent doing something for now. Yep. You'd we're not say talking about 2020. Three months of Mad Bum. So, what do you have to give up? Oh, that, that I don't That's know. That's why I'm discussing the reality of what San Francisco well, it's, it's, would, it's would fascinating. want back. So, here are two things. I'll say for sure that if I'm the Twins, I'm absolutely moving prospects this July. I, I say, yeah, you know, which we, ones? we love the development. Well, I'm circling two names, and I'm saying anybody else. So you're circling Kirilov's name? That's and right. Royce Lewis. And Royce Lewis's name. Don't touch, any, don't touch either of those two guys. Yeah. Anybody else, let's talk. Okay. Who you got? Because All right. there are some great prospects in this organization, too, that I'd be willing to move, but you'd better give me the moon and the earth for them because, you know, I'm not going to just give you Bruce so Darker th- all. Give me the third name, then. On that list, that short list? Yeah. So what, what's the first name that you don't have circled? Gratterall. Okay. Pitching prospect. I mean, I, pitching prospects are inherently risky. I, I just, as a gambler, I would just look at it and I'd say, this guy could be great. This guy could also blow out his arm in right. two years and we don't know. Here's a case in point. Lewis Thorpe. They love Lewis Thorpe. Great arm. Pitching for AAA right now. He got rocked a couple days Yeah, he did. I think he's got six starts and three of them are disasters. And the other three, he looks like a future top of the rotation starter. Mm-hmm. It's like, and he's a kid; he's twenty three. But that's I mean, the type of guy that you you would be willing to make a trade or to move in a trade for a for a guy who's going to solidify your rotation for the remainder well, of the summer. But that's where it gets difficult because I'd rather have six years of Lewis Thorpe than three months of Mad Bum. But, but can you if pass you're the, the twins, exactly. If you're and the I twins, no. you have to weigh this that. Team, that's the that's the interesting thing in my mind about this team. This team is built on two definite different tracks. That's right. This team right now, which is Crone and Scope and Gonzalez and a bunch of guys who you knew could hit, 
but you but you weren't positive how this was going to go. That's right. And then the future team, which is a lot of good young players, uh, anchored probably by a guy like Buck. Sure. So so and Barrios. Derek Falvey, the economist, gave himself the out in those aforementioned contracts and knows that okay, that's fine. Let's just step on the gas if this goes the way we hope that it goes in 2019. So I don't know what the step on the gas move is, but I would go circle all the bad teams and start making phone calls right now about what's available because uh, we're definitely of the mindset that we can move some prospects this summer. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Judd. That was the Score North first place twin show. Score North Live with Matthew Collar comes up next right here on the all-new Score North.